Bloomington Normal's two congressmen split the vote on the compromise debt limit bill. That's one of the things you need to know to start your day for Friday, June 2nd. I'm Ryan Denham, and this is WGLT's The Leadoff. Support for WGLT and WGLT.org comes from the Central Illinois Regional Airport in Bloomington with four airlines for business and leisure travel. Flying Sierra offers a nearby location for departures and arrivals that includes free parking. More information at CIRA.com. Now let's lead off with the Republican-controlled House moving to avoid a crisis by raising the U.S. debt limit. But that came without the support of many Republicans, including one who represents Bloomington Normal. More from WGLT's Eric Stock. Darren LaHood of Dunlap was one of 71 House Republicans who voted against raising the debt limit. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy brokered the deal with the Biden administration as the U.S. government approaches a default deadline. LaHood said he was undecided on the bill as late as Tuesday. Here is LaHood speaking that morning at an event in Eureka. We can't default on our debt. All of you would be affected by that, whether it's your 401k, whether it's your retirement, whether it's your Social Security. You're going to be affected by that. We can't let that happen. You're going to be affected by that. We can't let that happen. LaHood ultimately voted no, saying he wanted more spending controls. He says everything should have been on the table, including the military budget. My concern is we're $32 trillion in debt. To put it into perspective, we spent $7.5 trillion over the last uh, five years through COVID. Hood noted that he supported an earlier debt ceiling bill that passed the House. That would have cut $3.6 trillion in discretionary spending over a decade. The latest version cuts a more modest $1.5 trillion. The new bill had more support from Democrats than Republicans. Eric Sorensen from Moline was among the Democrats who voted yes. Sorensen says he supports examining every dollar of a government spending and cutting out waste when the debt ceiling deadline isn't looming. He says now is not the time. If that was the case, then we would have veterans that lose services. Then we would have Social Security be threatened. Um, we would be threatening uh, with a recession. Um, and, and I want to make sure that we're finding the compromise to get that done. Sorensen says the debt ceiling bill isn't perfect. He calls work requirements for older Americans on food assistance benefits difficult to swallow. Sorensen says that will be a debate for another day. You can't just uh, stand up on the on the, the street corner with a sign and say, I want, I want, right? It's important to remember that, you know, we will have chances in the future. I'm Eric Stock. Here's some other stories we're following in the WGLT newsroom. Bloomington police have made an arrest in the 2021 fatal shooting of Jeffrey Rowry. The suspect is Osman Gouda McLaren, who was already in prison on an unrelated weapons conviction. The Illinois EPA says an air quality alert is in effect all day today, due in part to warm, sunny weather combined with intensifying drought conditions. Those with pulmonary or respiratory disease, such as asthma, should limit outdoor activity today. And Todd Meisch, the ISU alum who was president of the Illinois Chamber of Commerce, has died at the age of 57. No cause of death was given. He took a leave of absence from the statewide chamber last month. Find more on these stories at WGLT.org. You might think Heartland Theater's annual 10-minute play festival is easy compared to the full-scale evening-length productions they put on each year. But as Heartland's artistic director, Reese Lovell, tells WGLT's Lauren Warnicke, think again. There's extensive planning that begins months in advance. Uh, it's, it's a contest that we hold for playwrights. They could submit plays to us as long as they adhere 
to the following criteria. They got to be 10 minutes. Um, they can't have more than four characters and they must stick to the theme. This this year's theme is the waiting room. I was looking back through our archives a little bit and, and came across a conversation you had with Lord Kennedy in 2018 uh, yeah. in which there was a very impressive, you know, passing the 300 mark of submissions. Well, this year you've more than doubled that. Yes. <laughs> so, it's... Uh, and there's been a pandemic in between. So how, how does that many people know about this? When you're around for 20 years and when you've got uh, a managing director uh, as as good as Gail Dobbins, word gets out. For example, uh, we have a winning playwright from Skokie this year. Uh, he's going to come down to see his play. And it's, it's as a writer myself, it's, it's a great treat, you, you know, because you're... Your manuscript is like is like your baby, you know. And once once you finish writing it and put it out into the world, you, you just kind of hold your breath and say, "Take good care of my kid," you know. Treat it right, raise it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it just shows the uh, appetite for new works, right? And the Absolutely. and the desire of theater artists and practitioners to have new material. Yeah, and the Ten Minute Play Festival uh, is a great gateway for for new and emerging artists, certainly for the playwrights themselves. Uh, a lot of these playwrights, it's the first time they've written anything. Uh, but there's also a, a, a ton who have, uh, they do this for a living. You know, they're mm -hmm. constantly writing. Uh, but every play's got to start got to start somewhere. Right. So do some of these 10-minute nuggets eventually kind of manifest as longer full-length plays? Yes, they, they do, in fact. Uh, we've had uh, quite a few plays that have gone on to, uh, to be published in 10-minute play anthologies, things of that, that sort. Um, and some of them, you know, the, the writers, especially the ones that come and see them on their feet, they can get a much better idea of what works, what doesn't work, and they'll, they'll go back to the drawing board. They'll make edits, and sometimes those 10-minute plays turn into full-length plays. It's, it's really gratifying. Let's talk a little bit more about that theme, The Waiting Room. Talk a little bit through some of the takes on the theme yeah. uh, in terms of what we're going to see at the festival. We ended up with a nice mix. Uh, there's one that's set in a police station, mm. uh, kind of a lobby. Um, there's one, uh, you mentioned Purgatory. There, there is one. That the ultimate happens. waiting room. Right? Yeah, the ultimate, <laughs> the ultimate waiting room. Um, there's also a really nice mix of comedy and and drama. Yeah. You know, I, that's one of the things that our readers pay a lot of attention to because you, you don't want a whole evening of really kind of serious Greek tragedy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. doom and doom and gloom. Nor do you want you know farce. Mm -hmm. The, the whole time. The 2023 10-Minute Play Festival runs three weekends at Heartland Theatre in Normal. Artistic Director Reese Lovell spoke with Lauren Warnicky. Before we let you go, the McLean County Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense Group is hosting its Wear Orange event tomorrow from 10 to 1 at the Western Avenue Community Center in Bloomington. There will be speakers and a remembrance walk. That's it for today. I'm Ryan Denham. The show was produced by Colin Winkleman. You can subscribe to the Leadoff Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app.